Well, hello, Water of Life. We're glad that you're with us, spending time with us as we experience home church together as a family. I'm Pastor Matt, Senior Director of Family Ministries, and I just want to start off by saying hi to all you that have already tuned in with us just a few minutes early. Now, we're not getting started yet, but I see you're logged in, and that's a great idea. We're glad that you did. Here's just a few reasons why. We want you to address any tech issues that you might have. Volume, check your volume on your device, depending on the platform that you're watching on, check your connectivity, check the quality, as there's different ways to watch, such as on YouTube, Facebook, and of course, our website, wateroflifecc.org. Now don't forget, connecting with a live chat is so important as you watch the service. We have pastors that are available online. They would love to pray with you, answer any prayer requests or questions that you might have about the service. If you have little ones in the house, we're so glad that you're with us. See, our kids ministry has an incredible worship opportunity and message for your child every single week from preschool all the way to fourth grade. Now, if you have a student, uh, fifth grade through young adults. That's our next gen department. We have incredible content coming out for your teenager and young adult. Now, we want you to stay connected. A great way to do that is wallupdates.com. W-O-L-updates.com. Here, you'll find links for all the different ways that you can watch online, find resources for your family, and stay updated on everything happening here at Water of Life right now. You can also watch any past messages that you've missed on our app, our website, or on YouTube. Well, we're gonna get started here in a few minutes, but before we do, I wanna encourage you, grab that cup of coffee, grab a seat on your chair, your couch, on your device, take a moment and give yourself some space. Remove distractions, and since we're on the topic of past messages, let's take a look at last week's experience. I know Christians that never move past Jesus being their judge. That's all, that's all they know. They'll just say, God doesn't love me. God is against me. God has condemned me. I feel bad. What, how do you know when somebody's living there? Because they're always in shame. They're always living regret. And they always live in the past. Did you hear what I just said? Because it might be you that I'm talking to. When you live in regret, when you live in shame and you live in the past, it's because you're trapped and haven't been set free in the present for the future. And the reality is Jesus is your king. So he is the exact same one who judges you, is the one who said, I have paid your price. And he has not only judged me, he has washed me, healed me, and paid the price for everything he found wrong in me. Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to Water of Life Online. I know we are online together, but I also know that God is not limited by our spaces where we're at. The church is not a building. And I'm just so thankful that we can still come together and worship, that wherever you are, wherever I am, the Spirit of God is there, and we can ex still, still experience community with one another. We can ex still experience the power of the Word of God and the power of worship together. So I'm John. I'm one of our pastors. I'm the campus pastor out at our Upland campus, and also I oversee our offsite, all of our offsite campuses. And so today, before we get into worship and the Word, let's uh, look at a few things that are coming up. 
here at Water of Life so you can know how to navigate this next month or so. And for, so the first thing is an event we call Summer Spectacular. If you have young kids, you'll know exactly what that is. And so I have a daughter who's in third grade, going into third grade. And as soon as school ends for the year, we look forward to Summer Spectacular. This year, it's July 27th through the 29th, and it's changed a little bit. It's gonna be all online uh, because of the current circumstances. And so that also creates an opportunity for us. Uh, in this time, we get our focus off of God and so it very easily. And so the theme this year is focus. And because it's online, it's an opportunity. You could have not only your kids watching and doing uh, all the stuff that you're used to, games, big crowd stuff, there's a swag bag for every kid, um, great skits, great lessons, great songs. You can not only have that in your, in your house, but you can also invite your neighbors or your friends to come over and experience it together as well. And so registration is only $20 right now. And so you can register right now by going on to uh, empoweredkids.org uh, backslash events, or you can text the word focus to 818-818 to register. Also want to let you know about uh, Discovering Water of Life. A lot of you have taken this class. This is our membership class. Basically what it is is it runs through our 30-year history as a church and kind of talks about our core values, things like that. If you have been a part of Water of Life for some time and you've made this your home church but you haven't yet taken D-Wall, Discovering Water of Life, I just want to encourage you to do that this weekend. Uh, you can do it from your home. You can do it from your couch. It's a great opportunity to be able to take this class and say, yes, I'm in. This is my church. And so if you haven't been around for a while, this is a great way to get to know us. And so all you have to do is go to wallupdates.com. That's W-O-L updates.com. And uh, go to the events section and look for uh, D-Wall. And what will happen is they'll send you an email. And tomorrow uh, at 2 o'clock, that's Sunday, the 14th at 2 o'clock, they will, uh, everybody will start the class together. And it'll be, um, it'll be an opportunity for you to say, I'm into my church, even when we're not physically, a lot of us here at church together. Uh, finally, uh, I know this church has always been a sending church. I've loved going out to a bunch of our different uh, trips that we have around the, around the world. I've been to Cambodia, I've been to Nicaragua, um, been to Mexico several times, and it's just such a, such a joy to be able to do that. This year, because of the coronavirus, we're not able to send like we normally do, but we can still impact the world. One of the ways that we can do that is we have our fireworks booth in two locations here in Fontana, and we're gonna be doing the fireworks booths this year and sending all the money to our partners overseas who are really in need right now. And so you can sign up to help. It's a really easy thing to do, and it makes a big difference. I know I went online today, and I signed up for a couple of shifts myself. I know it'll be fun to do, uh, and great time to get together with some of my church friends to serve our, our global community. And so the way to sign up is you can go to wateroflifecc.org backslash events, and you can sign up there, or the wall updates page as well. You can sign up. It's a very easy form where you can pick the shifts that you want to work. So I want to encourage you to do that today. Um, before we head into worship, I want to encourage you with something. There's a, a prophet in the Old Testament named Isaiah, and his time is so similar in some ways to our time. And the, there's a, a moment in Isaiah chapter 6. First six words of Isaiah chapter 6 say this. They say, in the year King Uzziah died. And for him, for the prophet Isaiah, that was a huge statement. 
You see, in his, in his moment, in his world, for the king to die meant he as a prophet might not have a job, he might be running for his life, he might be killed, uh, he has no idea what the future looks like. Everything is a mess, everything is abnormal, everything is scary. And so for a lot of us today as we gather online, you would say, yeah, I understand what Isaiah felt like. And so what I love that God did in that moment is God drew Isaiah into his throne room. Literally, he had a vision of himself in God's throne room and there's angels surrounding the throne. And so what happened was God drew him in and he was in awe at what he saw. And the angels gathered around the throne and this is what they sang. They sang to God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And so today, as we gather to worship, I think this is the perfect medicine for what we're going through. If you're uncertain, if you need hope, if you need to feel purpose, if you need to feel life, if you just need to have your mind taken away from your newsfeed and onto something that will really give you hope and, and a sense of, of there's a light at the end of the tunnel, we need to worship together. And so let me pray for you that God would really meet you where you're at right now. God, I thank you so much for all of those who are gathering, whether at their home or they're at other places. God, that right now we would be able to worship full, full voice, full heart. God, that you would open our hearts and we'd be able to listen to you. We'd be able to worship you, experience your spirit, and we'd even be able to experience the community of faith, God, as we interact with other people online. God, I pray that just like Isaiah, you would melt away all the cares and worries of the day as we choose to worship you and together sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. We thank you, God. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you worship with us today? Lord, we invite you here today. Living water overflowing us. There is a river where goodness flows. There is a fountain that drowns sorrow. There is an ocean deeper than fear. The tide is rising, rising.
to 
can happen now. That the Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. That the Spirit of the Lord is here. Sing that again. A miracle can happen now. Mm. For the Spirit of the Lord is here. Yes, He is. The evidence is all around. That the Spirit of the Lord is here. Say this, say Miracles happen when you move. This healing is coming in this room. The miracles can happen when you move. Because heaven is coming. Sing it out of your life, this truth. Say miracles happen. When you move, healing is coming in this room. Miracles happen when you move, because heaven is coming. Mountains are still being moved, and strongholds are still being God, we believe it, and yes, we can see that wonders are still what you do. And bodies are still being raised, and giants are still being slain. And God, we believe it, yes, we can see it, wonders are still what you do. We are
So God, we need just that. We need the hand of God in our lives. We need your breath of heaven to heal us, to heal our land, to heal our nation, to heal our relationships, to heal our bodies, God. We want heaven to come here on earth in our hearts, in our lives, in our families. And we need you and we just submit and just say, God, do it. Do what only you can do. In 
Jesus' mighty name, all of God's people who agreed said, amen and amen. Amen. We love you, water of life. What a blessing to worship with you. Let's prepare our hearts as we get ready for the message. God bless you guys. We're so glad you're joining us online this week and praying that you're having a blessed week. It's been difficult again, but I really think we're making headway in the whole discussion and all the COVID virus. I just want, I was so encouraged. I just left our mobile medical unit and we tested over 300 people, almost 400 people today down at CityLink. So we've got our mobile medical unit out and a whole team of people out working and doing COVID testing and just trying to help be the answer, amen, instead of the problem. And we wanna do that on all the fronts. We've got like a double-edged thing happening to us right now with all of the struggles in our country and the COVID. And, but I really think it's such a time like this that God's set up. I don't think it's an accident. I really just think it's very prophetically insightful. Now, I spent yesterday uh, on a Zoom call with several pastors in our nation. I hope, I think it's gonna end up being on TBN, and if it is, Hopefully you can see that Zoom call. I think Rick Warren was there, Chris Hodges from Highlands Church back east, and Phil Wagner at Oasis in Los Angeles, and uh, uh, Barry Corey, the president of Biola College, and John Chastain, the president of King's College. So there were about seven or eight of us on a Zoom call yesterday, talking with Bishop Omer, and just talking about the struggle in our land, the racial struggle and healing the wound, and the church's place to lead, and it was just a very healing time, and. For those of you who wonder, you know, last week, I, I know I'm gonna talk to you about this in a bit, but um, Bishop Omer just wept yesterday and it was a heartbreaking moment to watch him put his face in his hands and just sob. And I knew that when I went there a week ago, over a week ago now, that there was a lot of pain and there's a lot of struggle and there was a lot of angst. And, and Ken Omer is a good friend of mine. So I know like many of you, when you watch your friends hurt, it, uh, the Bible says you weep with those who weep and you rejoice with those who rejoice. And right now is a bit of a time of lamenting and weeping across our country, but friends, I really believe it's gonna turn into a time of rejoicing and that God is in this thing and it's gonna be for good and not for evil. So let's keep praying together. Let's keep believing together. Let's be part of the answer, not the problem, and see what God can do. Now, I know some of you are still struggling with the whole issue of hope. We've got a great series coming up in the next few weeks that are gonna just start next weekend and roll out for five or six weeks. We're gonna be talking about how do you sustain your soul in days like this, in dark days? How do you sustain your mind and your will, your emotions, and deal with fear and anxiety, stress, all the things that are coming at us? We're gonna start talking about that next week. So that's gonna be a great, great series that we're gonna be bringing to you in the next few weeks. But today, Let's talk about Zechariah and let's talk about hope. It's been a couple of weeks. If you haven't been with us, Zechariah is a prophet in the Old Testament and he talks about hope. 
hope in the dark times. He had just come out of captivity himself in Babylon, and God had really put his hand on this young guy. He was a young guy, and God put his hand on him to speak life prophetically into the people around him. Zechariah was born at the end of the 70-year captivity in Babylon, and the little work had been done. The, the, some of the Jews had come back to Jerusalem, started rebuilding the temple, but it just hadn't gone well. Uh, Zerubbabel was in charge, and Zerubbabel wasn't a very good, strong leader. I said this to you a few weeks ago, but God put Zechariah next to him to undergird him, encourage him, and build him up. And some of you need to think that right now, that God wants to put people around you to lift you up, to undergird you and encourage you. You know, two weeks ago, we talked about how did that happen. There was a prophetic vision given, and it was a picture in chapter four of Zechariah of this unending flow of the Spirit, the oil of God, the olive trees pouring out into lampstands, the lampstands of church, and the Spirit of God just overflowing onto the people of God. And friends, when the Spirit of God overflows onto the people of God, it's all good. That's a really, really good day. So let's pick up where we left off a couple weeks ago and talk about what can God make out of your mess. Uh, I mean, we've all, I've heard from so many of you, we've all got struggles right now, high levels of stress, fear, anxiety, some of you isolation, loneliness, just so many things coming at us. And God wants to take your shipwreck and rebuild it, rebuild you into a life-giving person. And that's a whole picture uh, of Zechariah. It doesn't matter how broken you are, how afraid you feel, if you yield yourself to God, he is so amazing to try to heal, restore, renew, and then re-release you and use you to build the kingdom of God. He wants to capture territory in us, friends. He wants to grab a hold of our hearts and change us. So we're gonna start there today talking about this wild little verse that's found six times in the Old Testament called the branch, this picture of Jesus being the branch, the branch, the branch. So we're gonna pick up in Zechariah chapter six. You got your Bible, your iPad, your phone? Verses 12 and 13, let's read them loud. If you're at home in your car, come on now, help me. Let's read them loud and together. It says, this is what the Lord of the heavens armies says. Here is a man called the branch. He will branch out from where he is and he will build the temple of the Lord. Then he will receive royal honor and will rule as king from his throne. And he will also serve as a priest from his throne and there will be perfect harmony between his two roles. Now we covered that a couple weeks ago when we talked about the offices, the king, the priest, and the prophet. But that's not where we wanna go today with this verse. We wanna talk about the branch. What a weird picture, isn't it? The man called the branch. But I want to tell you that God hid this all over in Scripture. It's so great what you're going to get to see today. The branch. It seems so weird. It's mentioned six times, as I said, in the Old Testament. It's a picture of Jesus. In Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8, it says this. Now listen, Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who are sitting in front of you. Indeed, they are men who are a symbol. For behold, I'm going to bring in my servant, the branch. Jeremiah 23 Verse one and five and six, it says, woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. There are days coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. So we know that Jesus comes out of David's lineage. A king, he goes on to say, who will reign wisely and do what is just in the land. In the days of Judah, there will be salvation and Israel will live in safety. This is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. So we know this, Jesus is the branch, very clearly. Jeremiah 33:15 says this, in those days and at that time, 
I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's lineage, and he will do what is just and right in the land. Isaiah chapter four, verse two. In that day, the branch of the Lord will be a beautiful and glorious fruit of the earth. There will be pride and adornment for all the survivors of Israel. And finally, this verse in Isaiah chapter 11 is so great. If you got a Bible, an iPad, a phone, you gotta write this one down and look it up. Sit and read it because it's very powerful. Chapter 11, verse one, it says, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. That would be David's lineage. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. And he will not judge by what he sees or decide by what he hears with his ears, but his righteousness will judge the needy and justice he will give decisions for the poor. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. So it's a picture of Jesus, such a great picture, that he sees past all the outward things. You know, there's so much noise today, so much chaos today, so many people slamming things in on you, and so many people shouting loud and saying, it's like this, it's like this, and you just wish, Jesus, help me to understand how you judge justly, because I want justice. I don't know about you, friends, but our land wants justice. I believe Americans want justice, but what does justice look like? And what's so great about Jesus is it says here, he will judge not with what he sees, not with what he hears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With a justice he will give decisions to the poor of the earth. So we know this, God is always looking out for the disenfranchised. God is always looking out for people that are marginalized. God is always looking out for people who don't feel like they belong. That's what makes me love Jesus so much, friends, because that includes all of us. Now, it says this, verse one, Chapter 11, a shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. Uh, I don't know about you, but that's a weird picture. I have this tree in my backyard. It's probably 100 and, over 100 years old. It is a huge, huge, big old school eucalyptus tree. Some of you have seen them with a big, gigantic, huge trunk on it. And it was so big that it was actually quite dangerous. I was afraid it was gonna fall in my neighbor's garage and. So I had a guy come out and trim that tree a couple of years ago. And unfortunately, he trimmed the tree back so far that he killed it. It was heartbreaking. My wife and I were looking at it actually today talking about it, and it's still there, the stump is there, it's gigantic, but it's, it's just dead. And out of that has grown up a shoot out of the root. And you can see what's happening. The shoot out of the root is a small tree about this tall, when this tree was 60 or 70 feet high probably, it was a massive tree, it was very sad when it died. But out of the shoot of that, out of the stump, is growing up a little tree. And I thought, you know, that's a picture of Jesus. It looks so insignificant today. It's certainly not this big, beautiful tree that we had before, but it says a shoot will come up out of the stump. And once, see, once David's family was so powerful in the land, friends, they controlled everything. But by the time that you get to Joseph and Mary and you think about the birth of Jesus, just think like this. Man, they had nothing. They were dirt poor. David's lineage had fallen on hard, hard times. David's family, it was rough. I mean, by the time Joseph and Mary had baby Jesus, they couldn't even find a place to stay. Then he was born in a barn. But we know that when he was dedicated to the Lord in the temple, 
that their only offering was the, the, the offering for the poor. They did not have the means to have an, a good offering for their son. Their lives were just a stump of what David's had been. There was just a stump. It was just like that dry old tree, just a little bit left. But, but, but God said, listen, there was a great tree here once, and I'm going to make a greater tree out of that tree. I will raise up a branch out of a stump. Now, that's such a wild picture, friends, but that is the picture, prophetic picture of Jesus. It's kind of how my life and your life often looks. It looks like a stump. It's like, what happened? I had all these grand ideas. I thought that God was going to do all these wild things. I thought that my life was going to look like this if I went to school. I thought it was going to go this way if I did these things, and it didn't. In fact, now I'm looking at my life, and it just looks like a stump. It didn't happen like I thought it was going to happen. But friends, I want to tell you something. Out of a stump, God can make something so great, far bigger than you ever intended it to be. The word to Isaiah was that out of a stump would come a shoot, a branch, that would bear fruit. Bear fruit. Listen to these words. Verses 2 and 3, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. He will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge with his eyes, with what he sees, or his ears, with what he hears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy and the poor. This great, great, great picture of Jesus coming and doing something so wild, so far past David's wisdom and David's judgment back in his grandest day, his lineage had become a stump, but God said, I have this. I can take and make something out of nothing. And friends, this is a picture of our lives. That's why I love Zachariah. Now, I love this picture because it's a picture of what God can do with us. If you feel small and insignificant, it's point number two in your little outline, I have some good news for you, you little stumps. God can raise up a branch. He can raise up something out of your stump that is supernatural. Now, let me explain the word to you because this is a great picture. You're gonna have to roll with me for a minute and just kinda hang in with where we're going because I wanna do some teaching and help you see where this word is hidden all over in the Bible. This word in Isaiah for branch is summage in Hebrew, it's summage. And it means to sprout up or spring up or shoot up. So out of my old dead trunk of a tree, this little tree has sprung up. So it shot up. That is the word summage in Hebrew. Now, it's a life of a picture of a life that begins really small. And some of you need to catch this because that's how you feel. You feel really small. You don't feel, you feel insignificant. Nobody knows you. Friends, you gotta believe this. Believe bigger. Believe that God could do something with you that is wild and supernatural. God could do something with you that you can't do with yourself. Believe this, it's all over in the Bible. Now watch this, this is such a great picture. His life began so small, so inconspicuous. Nobody would even notice you. Friends, listen. Some of you are out there right now, nobody notices me, Pastor Ann. Don't be discouraged by that. Be encouraged by this. God notices you. Friends, if God is watching you, it doesn't matter how many people are not watching you. If God is watching you, he can grow out of your stump a sprout of life that is supernatural, that can overshadow the whole earth like he did his son. In the tree of life, Jesus became the greatest tree that was ever, ever born. Isaiah, Isaiah, when he's talking about this 
word, this summage word, he inserts another word for branch that's a little different than all the other words that are used in the Old Testament. His word is netzer, netzer. Now, most of you are like, what does that mean? Netzer, summage. Well, just hang on for a second and listen. This is important for you. Summage is the word that's used almost every time, I think five of the six times in the Old Testament. But in this particular text, Isaiah inserted the word netzer, and it was prophetic, friends. Netzer, you might go, I don't know that word. Why would it mean anything to me? Here's why it should mean something. Because if you take the whole word and you sound it out, you'll hear another word that you recognize. The word is netzeret. Netzeret. That is the full, complete Hebrew word. It is netzeret. Netzeret. What does that sound like? Think for a minute. What does it sound like? Netzeret. Nazareth. Nazareth. Literally, the place where Jesus was born was prophesied here in Isaiah. Literally means the branch or the shoot. That's the name of Jesus' town, Nazareth. When I say that this is hidden all over in the Bible, friends, that's not an accident. That's God planting seeds to say to you, listen, I have got this thing. I want you to know Nazareth was literally the place that the branch grew out of, and it is called the branch, the Nazareth, the place that Jesus grew up. It was what? If you've ever been there with us when we go to Israel, it's so obscure. It's obscure. You're like, I, we hardly even go there anymore, honestly, because it's so obscure. It's just so unlikely of a place that if you go there, you think, why on earth would Jesus have come out of Nazareth? I mean, they used to say no good thing comes out of there. But the reality is you see it and it's so obscure that you makes you go, what is that about? Listen, it's about this. That is the way of the Father, the branch, coming out of a stump so that only God could receive glory for what he's doing. This is the way of God. Friends, this is what God wants to do in your life. That's why this is such an awesome picture because some of you are sitting out there right now saying, I just feel like a stump. Well, maybe you are right now, but God wants to say something to you today prophetically. I can turn you into a branch that would become a great tree that would allow for people to get healing underneath the shade of your life, if you would trust him and walk in him. Believe that he can burst something out of nothing. See, from insignificant to world changer. Friends, the most powerful person that ever lived on this planet was born in Nazareth. This obscure, out of nowhere place, Nazareth. Why? Because that is the way of the Father. You might be hidden right now. You might feel like, I'm inconspicuous, I'm hidden, nobody notices me. Friends, that's Jesus' life. Jesus was born in an inconspicuous place, and then God said, now watch what I can do. And God wants to speak to that, that to some of you today. Watch what I can do. Listen to Mark 8.35. This is how this happens. This is a really important picture about dying to self and living to Jesus. How do you become something out of nothing? Watch this. For whoever wants to save their life must lose their life. Whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. Luke chapter nine, verse 23. Then he said to them this, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. So, 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 what does that mean? That means very simply this. If you're gonna do and be who Jesus wants you to be and become and do what he set before your life as your destiny, you have got to die to yourself. 
I've got to die to myself. I gotta let go of some dreams. I gotta let go of some visions. I gotta let go of some things that I thought that, that we're gonna work a certain way and play out a certain way. I gotta let them go and go, okay, God, what do you say? I surrender to you, Jesus. What do you say? I want your way, not my way. I yield to you. Listen, the cross, why would Jesus say pick up the cross? Friends, you only use one, the cross for one thing. It was to die on. Use the cross to die on. Now watch this, because this is, gets deep and wide right here. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Some of you say, I know that verse. That's my favorite verse in the Bible. Let's talk about that for a minute, because I love that verse too. This is the way of the branch. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. That's pick up your cross. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, I, I love that verse. Man, that is the coolest verse. That's like, whoo. I mean, a lot of people declare this, but not everybody does this, friends. You gotta let yourself die in order to become all that God wants you to be. So that means if you feel inconspicuous, if you feel small, just embrace that and just say, Lord, I wanna be the man, the woman, the person that you want me to be, the leader you want me to be, the servant you want me to be. You say the word, I will follow you. You magnify yourself through my life and I will watch the branch sprout up out of the stump. That's, friends, exactly what happened. So here's the picture. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This is Paul talking. The life that I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And that's such a great verse, and I love the verse. But you gotta get the context of the verse because that's really crucial, friends. It's easy to quote this verse and not even understand what the context is of what is being said. Let's read back in verse 11 of Galatians chapter four, and I think that'll help you to get what is actually taking place here because it's way deeper than most of us think. Verse 11, Galatians. I said chapter four, chapter two, excuse me. Verse 11, Galatians chapter two, it says, but when Cephas came to Antioch, this is Paul talking now, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For prior to his coming of certain men from James, Peter used to eat with the Gentiles. But when these guys came and were sent up from Jerusalem, that James sent them up to see what was going on at Antioch, he began to withdraw himself, Peter began to withdraw himself and hold himself aloof, fearing the party of circumcision, fearing the Jews from Jerusalem. The rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. So, so, so you're talking about peer pressure, friends? This is some serious peer pressure. Now, those of you who've been studying with us on Wednesday night, you know we've been talking about this, that the gospel was first birthed into the world in Antioch. It was such an important strategic place for God to move, Antioch. He came in there, a bunch of people that weren't the disciples, the powerful apostles and leaders, they took the bold step to start talking to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, about Jesus. And when they did that, there was this supernatural move of God swept through Antioch, and then it says that Barnabas was sent there, and then he went and got Paul, brought him back there. They stayed for a year and taught the disciples there. And then it says here that James sent people down, and Peter was there. Peter came to Antioch. 
all kinds of things are happening here. But when these people came, there was a problem. It's called peer pressure. It was about racism. And it's a huge picture here. It literally, Paul says, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. He used to sit and eat with the Gentiles, and God had given him a vision, if you remember, I think it's in Acts chapter 10. He had a vision of the sheet coming down and all of that unfolding, and then you've got this huge blow up that ends up in the Council of Jerusalem that we studied last Wednesday night, Acts chapter 15, and the Council of Jerusalem set the record straight, and James, the brother, the stepbrother, the half-brother of Jesus, actually stood up and set the record straight for everybody. That's in chapter 15 of Acts. But the, the reality was this. It says, the rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy. So Peter turned away. The result was even Barnabas was swept away by peer pressure. And when I saw that they were not straightforward, listen to these words, not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in the presence of all, if you being a Jew live like the Gentiles and not like Jews, how is it that you compel Jew, Gentiles to live like Jews. So he's basically saying this, you've been here eating with Gentiles and you know you weren't supposed to eat with Gentiles as a Jew. You know that, it was wrong, but God told you that you had the freedom to do it, so you obeyed. And then whenever the people came from Jerusalem and started telling you it was wrong, you shouldn't be hanging out with these kind of people, they're not your people, they're not your kind, they're not like you, you need to separate yourself. And he did. He felt peer pressure. So instead of obeying God and loving people different than him, he obeyed those who were his own, and he disobeyed God. Now, why am I telling you this? Because that's the picture of dying to yourself, friends. We all got to get there. You and I have got to figure this out. If we die to ourselves and we live to Christ, we get our identity from Jesus. Not from being a white man, a black man, a brown man, an Asian man, an African man, you get your identity from being a Christian person, from living in the kingdom of God and in Christ. I have this good friend, his name is Ron Hill. He's called Apostle Ron Hill at um, Love and Unity Church in Compton, California. And Ron and I pray together almost every day on the phone. I gotta get him here someday so you can see him teach, but I don't know of a man who has a deeper sense of the kingdom of God than Ron Hill does about his own identity. He loves his people as an African-American, but he's completely, completely, completely sold out to the kingdom of God. And, and the, here's the reason why. Because let's talk about something. Let's talk about last, last week's message just for a minute here. Let me diverge off and, get, and then I'm gonna jump back into this because some of you felt like you, you really pushed back and I got your emails and I tried to respond to you. I actually put together a video and I probably will post that online, it's very raw, but it just is my heart talking. And here's what I said. Some of you felt like Bishop Omer was rude to me, and you were embarrassed, and you were like, why did you let that happen? Well, let me explain something to you. Last weekend, you got to see me talking to my friend. That's what you got to see. I invited the conversation because I wanted to talk. I think that's what we need to do to heal our land today got to listen to other people's hearts. So I went into his church to listen. I invited the conversation, and I understood something. He was really hurting. If you have a friend, and they're really hurting, you have to make a decision. What are you going to do? They call you up, text you, say, man, I'm dying, I'm hurting. 
you either run to the person or you run away from the person. You either move towards them as a friend or you move away. When I heard the message that he had done on Pentecost weekend, it was so painful. I just went, I, this, I love this guy. I gotta call him. There's no question I have to call him. I picked up the phone, I called him, and I ran towards him. And what you saw last weekend was the outcome of me running towards him. So when you run towards your friend and they're blown up and they're hurting, how, how often do they throw up on you? <laughs> they do. I mean, if you're really a good friend to somebody, then you know you've had to sit with that person and listen when they're really blown up and they're hurting and they dump their load on you. I mean, that's part of friendship, isn't it? Well, that's what happened last weekend. I was totally fine with it. Why? Because he is my friend. He didn't hurt me. He didn't wound me. I made a decision. I've known him for over 20 years. I made a decision, look, I have never seen him in pain like this. I'm gonna run to him, and no matter what the outcome looks like, I'm gonna be okay with that. I'm not gonna be offended at all. Friends, that's how Jesus worked all the time. When he went into Samaria, and he started working with that Samaritan lady at the well, and, and, and all the guys were gone into town to get food, and they came back, and they saw Jesus talking to that Samaritan, and they went, what are you doing? I mean, it had been since 720 BC that the Samaritans had been out there and Jews were never talked to them. That's 700 years. And in 700 year period, Jesus broke that curse in one day by doing what? Sitting and talking with a lady. He sat and talked, he listened to her. He, he allowed all of the things, that, that blew up a lot of people because they didn't understand, but he listened. Friends, the Bible says that Jesus was moved with compassion. And when my friend's hurting, I want to be moved with compassion. I think most of you do too. It doesn't matter what race they are. It doesn't matter. It just matters that they're your friend. See, some of you said this to me. You said, you know what, Pastor? I don't like this because it's all about black lives matter. Well, every life matters. I agree. I preach that all the time. Every life matters. Every tongue and tribe and nation matters. But friends, let me tell you something. When a house is on fire and the call comes in to the fire station, and those guys jump in their truck and they drive into that neighborhood. They drive by every other house in that neighborhood to get to one house in order to put out the fire. Them going to that house to put out the fire does not invalidate or devalue any of the other homes in the neighborhood. It doesn't do anything except for this. It says that we have to take care of the one that's on fire right now. That house is valuable, it's on fire, and we need to help them. Friends, this is the same kind of story that we're dealing with in our country right now. This doesn't mean that African-American lives are more valuable than somebody else's life. It means all lives are valuable, but right now we need to help people that are hurting and we need to run to the pain and not run away from it. And, and the reality is this, is that we all long to be included. Friends, I get that. We all wanna belong. We all wanna come to church and be safe. We have tried for years and years, 30 years at Water of Life to create refuge here for you. So you could come in here, whatever your tongue, tribe, nation, whatever your background, your pain, whatever kind of stump you feel like that day, that you could be at Water of Life and find refuge here. And we want that to continue. That's our journey, friends. That's what we do at Water of Life. We create places of safety. And so when I say that, I want you to think like this. It doesn't mean that we're not caring for everybody. We are caring for everybody. I get up every day and do those devotions for everybody. We do Wednesday night Bible study for everybody. We do Sunday mornings for everybody. But there's times when you gotta stop and care for people. And so having said that, I wanna invite you to do something with me if your heart is longing to run 
to the house that's on fire right now, like mine is, I wanna invite you to join into a Christian peaceful march in San Bernardino next Friday from four to seven o'clock, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. I think we have a, there we go, it's up on the screen here. Um, I'm gonna be speaking here, Pastor Diego's gonna be speaking here, Reggie Woods is gonna be speaking here. Reggie's a good friend of mine, comes to my house all the time to watch football. I've known Reggie for a long time and we're going to uh, partner in to just say, listen, it's Juneteenth, and those of you who are African-American know what that means. If you're a white person, a lot of you don't know what that means, but on June 19th in 1865, it was the day that slaves were really set free. That was their Independence Day. So if you talk to African-Americans, you'll find out that many of them would say, uh, July 4th is not my Independence Day. It was your Independence Day as a country, but my people were still enslaved until Juneteenth, June 19th. 1865, and so it's a celebration day. I think it's a great, great time to help other people to experience the freedom that they long for. So we're gonna do that next Friday evening at Waterman, and you can get this information off our website, but I'd love for you to come and join us in a peaceful march. We're gonna do worship. We're gonna have prayer groups together. It's gonna be a great, great spiritual time. So having said all of that, Jesus made this statement in John 12, 24. Let's go back to dying to ourselves, dying to what we want, dying to our vision. Jesus said, if you're gonna come up out of the stump, friends, you're gonna die to yourself. I tell you, John 12, 24, unless you, a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. It's the same picture. It's Jesus saying, my life's going into the ground. I'm gonna produce lots, lots, lots of branches, shoots that are gonna come up out of nothing. And friends, I wanna tell you something, I'm so glad that I'm one of those. I came up out of nothing and I'm so blessed that Jesus put his hand on my life and said, look at, I've got your life, trust me. Jesus is trying to say that to some of you right now. It doesn't matter how you feel about yourself. It matters how God feels about you. And I say this to you every week, God is crazy about you. He's passionately in love with you and he wants to take your little stump and turn it into this magnificent tree that will change destiny. So let's close this up. Back to Zechariah, chapter six, verse 12. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. Here is the man called the branch. He will branch out from where he is. <clears throat> that word, sprout up, spring up. Literally, when it's translated in the Septuagint, again, I know some of you would be like, okay, this is too hard for me, Pastor Dan. No, 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 you can do summage, and then you can get that summage isn't always the word that's used, that Isaiah used that other, another word, and that word really clearly is hit, Nazareth is, is hidden in the New Testament, but watch this. In the Bible, there was a translation done on the Old Testament Hebrew by Greek Hebrew people, speakers. So, as time went on, many, many, many Jews ended up in communities where the, the primary language wasn't Hebrew, but it was Greek. So they made a decision. They wanted to keep touching the Hebrew people with the scriptures, so they translated the Hebrew into Greek. Do you get that? I think you can get that. They translated the Hebrew into the Greek. Why is that important? Watch, because God is just so great. He hides this story all over about the branch. When they translated it, they did it with a bunch of scholars, they say 70, so it's called a Septuagint. It's called a Septuagint, the Hebrew Old Testament in Greek. 
when they translated this word summage out of Zechariah chapter three and chapter six, they used a Greek word to translate it, Anatoly, Anatoly. Now, I know that means nothing to most of you. You're like, what the heck is Anatoly? It's not much different than Nazareth. Well, Nazareth you can get right away because it goes to Nazareth. Anatoly is a killer picture. If you got your Bible, your iPad, your phone, turn to Luke chapter one, and I wanna show you a prophecy about Jesus. Luke chapter one, verse 76. A prophetic picture of Jesus. Talking about who he's gonna be. Luke chapter one, way, 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 way at the end of chapter one is this prophetic, prophetic picture of Jesus. It says in verse 76, and you, child, will be called the prophet of Most High. Now that's talking about John the Baptist, the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. Now the sunrise from on high. In my Bible, the New American Standard Translation, that word sunrise from on high will visit us is capitalized. Now, if you don't understand what that means, it literally means this. The word sunrise on high is capitalized because it's, it's deity, it's Jesus. Now, that word sunrise on high is Anatoly. Hold it, hold it, hold it. The branch turned into the sunrise. Some of you are like, okay, that doesn't make any sense. How could the branch also mean the sunrise? Let me explain it to you because it's really a great picture. It's a prophecy that goes all the way from Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist, all the way back to the heart of John the Baptist, to Jesus, and it gives a picture of Jesus. It says literally in verse 78, because the tender mercy of our God, God's deep love for you, for me, that he's crazy about you, with which the sunrise from on high will visit us. What will it do, verse 79? Shine upon those who sit in darkness in the shadow of our death and guide our way into the peace of God. Hello, does anybody need that today? Does God, anybody need the sunrise to shine in your darkness and guide you into a place of peace? The sunrise from on high will visit us. The word sunrise is Anatoly the branch. And you might say, how could that happen? How could that happen? Because the word sunrise means to rise up, right? Sunrise, rise up. That's where they get the word Anatoly. What is a branch that shoots up out of the stump? Rises up. A branch will shoot up out of the stump of Jesse and rise up. That's why they translated the word branch into Anatoly, but never knowing how prophetic it was gonna be, friends, that God knew all of this, and he said, listen, the sunrise from on high is the branch. He is the same guy who wants to come in your darkness and bring life to you. One commentator put it this way. He said, he is the rising of the sun, the resurrection and the life. His life ends the night and brings forth the day. Somebody say, yay God. He breaks through the darkness of this world and shines his light on lives like ours. So friends, here's the deal. Jesus is your Anatoly. He is your sunrise. He is your branch. And he has said this to you. I wanna make you like me. Will you yield to me? 
Will you let me crucify your life that you no longer live to yourself, but you die to yourself, you die to your dreams, you die to your philosophies, you die to the things that some of you hold so precious and they keep you from becoming the shoot that comes out of the stump, from shooting up and becoming this glorious gift from God to the world. Friends, you gotta let some things go to let God have that. Pick up your cross, die to yourself, and watch Jesus take your insignificant life and transform you into a supernatural power for God. So I wanna pray over you right now. I want you to bow your heads. And Father, we wanna come to you and say thank you, God, that you hide your secrets all over in the word. Jesus is everywhere. He's the branch. He's the Nazaret in the insignificant place of Nazareth. He is the Anatoly, the sunrise. God, that everywhere you're trying to sprinkle over us and say, I've got your life. I know you feel insignificant. I know you feel just like a stump left out in the darkness, but I, I can be your healer if you'll come to me. Pick up your cross, die to yourself, let go of some things that you hold so dear in order to grab a hold of me. In the name of Jesus, we pray that you would shine your light in our darkness. Raise up out of the stumps of our lives, God, glorious trees that would glorify you in the name of Jesus. And everybody said amen, amen, and amen. God bless you. I pray blessing over you that you'd have a great week this week. You're coming in and going out, that God will be in all that you're doing. And um, just pray that you listen to the, those devotions if you get a chance, and I'll try to encourage you this week. We'll do those for another week or two, and then those will probably be winding down as well. But God bless you. Have a great, great week this week. God bless. Well, thanks so much, Pastor Dan, for that message of hope and life and life. Just the perfect message for this time. Just tailor-made for this week. Thank you so much for that. And thank you so much for being with us today uh, online. We really appreciate you being here and wanted to encourage you. You can still receive prayer um, by asking for prayer in the text. Our online pastors, our chat is open. You're, uh, they're available for prayer. Also want to let you know that if you accepted Christ this weekend, if you decided to make that decision to, to, to follow Christ and to make Jesus the Lord of your life, you can text the word Jesus to 818 818, and we'll follow up and give you some resources, some things that'll help you to grow in this new faith. Um, also, uh, wanted to remind you that uh, if, you, if you need prayer, you can call the church. We have pastors who are ready to call you back at 909-463-0103, and you can call for that right now. And so, um, encouraged that you guys are here, encouraged that you uh, saw the message and were here with us, worshiping with us. I pray that you have a great week. God bless you. We'll see you next week.